You know, I mentioned in the opening prayer that Eastertide is a season. We don't just celebrate the risen Christ one day out of the 52 Sundays. It's, it's every Lord's Day. And this special season, we're thinking about that resurrection theme, particularly as it relates to the mission of First Baptist Church. And so this morning's scripture is a powerful and vivid image from Ezekiel the prophet, the 37th chapter. And even if you uh, aren't familiar with the specific verses, you're familiar, familiar with the concept and the image that it strikes of uh, this valley of dry bones. And I want to read this aloud to you, and you listen very prayerfully as I read God's word from Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 1. God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and set me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. He led me around and among them a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones bleached by the sun. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God, the master, told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin, and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. I prophesied just as I'd been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound and, oh, the rustling. The bones moved and came together, bone to bone. I kept watching. Sinews formed, then muscles on the bones, then skin stretched out over them, but they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, tell the breath, God the master says, come from the four winds, come breath, breathe on these slain bodies, breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet a huge army. Then God said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left for us, nothing left of us. Therefore prophesy, tell them, God the master says, I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive, O my people. Then I'll take you straight to the land of Israel. When I dig up graves and bring you out as my people, you'll realize that I am God. I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live. Then I'll lead you straight back to your land and you'll realize that I am God. I've said it and I'll do it. God's decree. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Now, mighty God, we are truly, truly moved and curious about this very unusual passage of Scripture. We're hungry to know what this means for our lives, for our families, for our daily walk, but also for our congregation's life and for the mission of your church all over the world today. So we pray today that you will help us to be faithful listeners, that you will bless those all in our charge and care today, and that you will bless what happens in this worship time to honor you. And Lord, this offering is a part of that because with these gifts, tithes and offerings, we bring ourselves, our talents, our attention, and we want you to 
dedicate all of these things to your glory and to spread the good news of Christ. This is our prayer in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. If you have been uh, spending much time around First Baptist Church the last 18 months, you know that we've been on a journey uh, that we call Imagine If, which is a journey of discernment, of uh, trying to find God's dream, trying to tap into God's dream for First Baptist Church. Uh, we have been spending a lot of time around the tables listening to one another. We've been spending time in prayer and discernment and scripture study trying to hear from God about uh, where it is God is taking us. And last month, uh, we had a meeting to sort of uh, share those five big God-sized dreams that uh, we believe God is calling us to. These are not new necessarily, but how we're going to live out those God-sized dreams will be God-centered worship, life-changing faith, authentic relationships, community transformation, and global partners. Those are those five big God-sized dreams that we'll be hearing more about in the weeks and months ahead, uh, believing that God is calling us uh, to live around those five things. And uh, believe it or not, this is the easy part. Now, the difficult part is how those dreams become deeds, or as the title of this brief sermon series says, it's it's a way for us to uh, take the dreams... Uh, and live them in such a way that they take on life, that they become practical down on the ground level. And uh, we get some help from Ezekiel, the prophet this morning, because uh, he, he saw in a vision some God-sized dreams for the people of God. You need to know that Ezekiel preached in very difficult days, the, the lowest time in Israel's history. Uh, the nation had been literally carried away the temple destroyed, uh, the people of God being led away, deported, carried into captivity, humiliation and hopelessness, a sense of being cut off, of not knowing who they were. Ezekiel didn't just preach to them. He was one of the captives captives carried off in one of those times of humiliation and national defeat. And it was a very, very dark time. I think the word that might best describe Uh, the nation at that time, was disorientation. They didn't know who they were anymore. They didn't know what they were supposed to do. Everything that they had depended on had sort of just uh, shriveled up and died. And they, if there was ever a people of God in need of some God-sized dreams, uh, it was Israel, the people of God. And so that's why he can help us, because we're going to see how, how God moved in that situation. Now, I think, I think it's really interesting that in verse 3 of the Ezekiel 37 scripture, God begins this experience with Ezekiel by saying mortal or son of man, meaning not God, human. Uh, I want you to tell me, can these bones live? Ezekiel looked out over these, this valley of bleached, brittle, white, dry bones and And the voice of God says, tell me, son of man, can these bones live? Well, now Ezekiel has been confronted by God. He doesn't want to get it wrong. If he pushes button number one that says yes, that sounds sort of glib and sort of self-righteous, and he doesn't want to do that. But if he pushes button number two uh, and says no, that sounds like a lack of faith. And he's standing there, you know, am I going to get electroshocked if I push the wrong button? Is a trap door going to fall? And so Ezekiel plays it safe. He says, 
God, you go first. You tell me. He literally says, oh, Lord God, you know. That's a good answer when God asks you a question and you're afraid to get the wrong answer. Just say, oh, God, you know. And, and it, was a, it was a tough question. But God answered. God showed Ezekiel. Ezekiel faithfully, obediently started preaching. And when he started preaching, there was a rattling. All those thousands of bone pieces started rattling and they started coming together. And then muscle and flesh came on them. Tendons, ligaments came on them. Skin covered them. Eventually, as he continued to preach, breath entered them. They stood up like a mighty army. What a breathtaking, literally breathtaking image story that is of what God did in that resurrection story in the Old Testament. I mean, that's amazing. And we know that down in verse 11, God says to Ezekiel, now this this body that has been raised up is the whole house of Israel. In other words, God's in the business of raising up his people when they seem hopeless, when they seem to not have answers, when they seem to be fragmented and just uh, in pieces. God has always, throughout history, been doing that resurrection work among the Valley of Dry Bones. And and every people of God, every group of God, uh, has sooner or later gone through a Valley of Dry Bones. Uh, at At a grand cosmic level, that's happened at national level. And it's happened at congregational levels. It's happened at this In this church, we've gone through times of dry bones. Uh, We know from the historical records that during the Civil War, 1861 to 1865, this church didn't meet. The conflict evidently in Missouri and within the church was so difficult and intense with the Civil War raging, people taking sides. There are no records of the church meeting. And eventually, the building that this church met in was taken over by the Union troops and first used as barracks and later used as a place to keep the horses. And there was even a question right after the Civil War, would this church meet again? Can these bones live? Oh, Lord God, you know. Over a hundred years later, on a Sunday evening in May 1987, this brand new church sanctuary burnt to the ground. I wasn't pastor here then. I pastored 65 miles away in Sedalia. But I can only imagine that people... Somebody was walking around asking the question on that Sunday night, can these bones live? Oh God, you know. And yet God is always able to raise up something new out of dry bones. God's always full of surprises. I don't know where it came from, uh, but in the margin of my study Bible, this is my study Bible, somewhere in the years of studying this beautiful Ezekiel 37 story, I wrote in the margin of this story, the best setup for a miracle is the place where it looks most impossible. Do you agree with that? The best setup for a miracle is always the place where it looks most impossible. God thrives there in cemeteries, in valleys of dry bones, Because only God can get the credit and glory if something can be raised up like that. And God is leading First Baptist Church into a new future. 
We want to go with God there. But guess what? We won't get there without God's word. Twice in this scripture, Ezekiel is told to preach God's word, his message. In verse 4, he's told to preach to the bones. And then in verse 9, he's told to preach to the wind so that the Spirit might fill these bones with breath, that they might come to life. Every time he preaches, life happens. And life happens when God's word is preached. You know that's true in your own salvation experience? I wonder how many of us can remember the place that God's word played in us coming to faith. Think about how you were full of pride. You were full of yourself. You were full of answers. You were full of self-sufficiency. Or maybe full of fear and guilt. And then God's word spoke to you. And God's truth told you of your brokenness, of your lostness, of your hopelessness, of your need. And God's word told you the truth that you didn't really want to hear. And then God's word showed you Jesus Christ and how he had died for your sins. And how much God loves you and how much God keeps on loving you. And how by faith you could trust and receive Jesus Christ. All that came from scripture. It came from God's word. When God's word is preached, life happens. And that was true in Ezekiel's day. It's true in our day. But it's not just true at an individual level. It's true at a church level too. I'm convinced that a church's capacity to adapt to change, a church's capacity to adapt to stress is directly related to a church's capacity to hear God's word. In other words, we will be no better at changing and growing than we are at listening to God. When we are capable of listening to God, we will be able to move into God's future together. And if I might, I just take a moment and pay you a compliment. Pay us a compliment. I think that one of the secrets to this church not only surviving but thriving all that we have been through throughout the generations is because we have the courage to listen to God's word and to obey even when it's difficult to do. God's calling us into that future, but we'll never get there without God's word. But there's a second thing, God's calling us into a future, but we'll never get there without God's spirit. Did you notice that at first Ezekiel is told in verse 4, preach to the bones. The bones rattle, the bones come together, they connect, and then flesh, and then skin, but they're still just a corpse. Nothing really changes until God says down in verse 9, now, preach to the winds. The, the word ruach in Hebrew can be translated wind, breath, or spirit. Preach to the four winds that breath may come into the corpse or that spirit may come into the body. And until the Holy Spirit comes into that body, it's just a rack of bones. But when the spirit comes, there's animation, there's life. 
And nothing we do as a church can take the place of the need for the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower and move us. Can you imagine this summer when the youth get ready for their uh, mission trip to Detroit? If the night before uh, they leave, Rod and uh, Brant and Sammy and some of the others loading the vans full, they're counting how many students are going on the trip, how many sponsors, and they're loading the luggage and they're loading all the music equipment. And somebody says, you know, we could actually pack more luggage if we'd give a mechanic out here and drop the engine out of the van and just fill up that space that did have the engine with suitcases and guitar cases and pack that rascal full. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just load it with more and more luggage? Who needs the engine, right? Yeah, right. And guess what, First Baptist family? We can load our church full with programs. Oh, can we throw programs at you? We can load our church full with strategy visions and mission statements and all kinds of dreams. But if we drop the engine out of that thing, if the Holy Spirit isn't in it and in us, it's all just a bunch of church talk. Without the Holy Spirit, we are just a rotary club that happens to have a steeple on our building. Without the Holy Spirit... We are just united way with the Lord's Prayer added at the end. We need the Holy Spirit. And we will never get where God is leading us without His Word and without His Spirit. But there's one more piece in this text. We will never get where God is leading us without each other. There's a, there's a tiny phrase that you almost miss in verse 7. When the preaching started, there was not just the miracle of coming alive. Verse 7 says the second miracle is coming together. Coming alive and then coming together. The bones were not just a disparate stack. You know, the miracle that Ezekiel describes was not a miracle of a mass of cells, a glob over here. It wasn't a miracle of a femur or a clavicle or an eyeball or an ear or a kidney. The miracle was a whole, coordinated, alive, animated body that stood up because the bones came together. We will never get to God's place individually. We will only get there together. We can't do it by ourselves. What's more, we're not supposed to. We're supposed to get there together. I don't know what happened in our Western Enlightenment way of interpreting Scripture. God's been teaching me a lot through some preachers and some authors and some Bible scholars the last two or three years about how much that we read in Scripture is too atomistic and too 
individualistic, and it's not communal enough. It's not, it's not community-based enough. For example, if you have faith, you can say to that mountain, be removed, and it'll move over there. We've always interpreted that as one's, one person's faith, praying all alone in some solitary place. No, that's the church's faith, together. Forgive the other person not seven times, but 70 times seven. There are days when I can't do that, but the church, my loving community around me, can forgive when I just don't have it in me today. And then I can pray and forgive tomorrow when you don't have it in you. You remember that beautiful story in Mark chapter 2 when there's this paralyzed man on a mat and four people are carrying him, one on each corner of the pallet, And they're trying to get in to see Jesus so he might be healed. And the crowd is around the door so much they can't get in. So with ingenuity, they climb and carry him up on the roof. They tear away the tile. They lower this paralyzed man right down in front of Jesus. And Jesus heals him. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, their faith has healed you. He didn't say the paralyzed man's faith. He said the faith of the four who brought him. And you know, some days I'm just paralyzed spiritually and emotionally. But some of you carry me. And some days you can't move spiritually and emotionally. But some of us carry you. And it's like a volleyball team. We all rotate positions. You know, one day I'm on the pallet. The next day I take left front. And then maybe the day after I take right front. And then maybe I move to the back. And we all take turns because Whatever God is calling us to do, he's calling us to do it together. This is God's future that we're invited to move into. Dreams that take on life. But we won't do it without his word, without his spirit, and without each other. Can these FBC bones live? Oh, Lord God, you know. Amen.